The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day, good day, and welcome to the Genesis Zone Show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today on the Genesis Zone Show. I know you could have been a million other places, and you're here, and I appreciate that. Uh, In today's show, we're going to be exploring the relationship between brain health and professional success. I'll outline three key points for maintaining good brain health throughout your professional life that will ensure your success. Um, have you ever felt like your brain uh, just wasn't cooperating with you some days? Um, like it was on vacation, but the assembly line was still rolling at 200% capacity and all the widgets on the assembly line were piling up at the end like Mount Everest. Well, if, if, if that's the case, then you're not alone. And you might just be suffering from brain fatigue. I know firsthand uh, what this is like. I think I think most Type A professionals uh, uh, know exactly what this condition is like all too well. Uh, from my 25 years of clinical practice experience, there are many issues that can lead to brain fatigue. You know, in the past, I've identified about six minor issues and three major issues that can cause brain fatigue. Now, the minor issues that are linked to brain fatigue, uh, first and foremost, is dehydration. And if you'll allow me for a second, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Um, Dehydration can lead to things like headaches, cognitive impairment, and overall brain fatigue. And you may recall from your high school biology days the term mitochondria. Well, if you're not familiar with that term or it doesn't ring a bell, mitochondria is the powerhouse for your cell. Now, what they didn't teach you in high school about mitochondria was this. The average cell inside your body has 2,000 of these mitochondria powerhouses in each cell. And each of these mitochondria requires water to form energy. By splitting off a hydrogen uh, atom from the H2O molecule, which leads to a combustion reaction, providing energy for that mitochondria inside the mitochondria. And it fuels the cell. Those cells fuel your organs and the list goes, the domino effect, you know, carries throughout the rest of your body. So without proper hydration, you are literally starving your cells in your body of the very thing that they need, Uh, even your brain. Uh, of the things that they need, like uh, water. You're starving it of water. You're starving it of the energy that it needs in order to function, in order to survive. Um, That's all I've got for my soapbox when it comes to hydration. But dehydration is one of those minor, maybe major causes, but definitely a minor cause for brain fatigue. The next up is, uh, it goes without saying, that lack of physical activity and research shows this, is important for maintaining good brain function as it increases blood flow to the brain and oxygenates the body. Uh, Next, research shows that uh, maintaining poor posture for extended periods of time, such as slouching or hunching over or slumping over in in your chair, sitting at the computer screen all day, literally can disrupt bioenergetic flow 
in your body and lead to brain fatigue. Uh, additionally, spending excessive time in front of the computer screen or on your phone, et cetera, et cetera, can guess what? It leads to eye strain, headaches, and brain fatigue. Uh, then there's noise pollution. Now, some, some people can relate to this. Some people can't. But noise pollution is one of those minor things that can lead to brain fatigue. Constant exposure to noise and loud noises and music, traffic, whatever the case may be, can affect sleep quality and it can also lead to brain fatigue. And then last but not least, probably one of the most, uh, uh, one, of, one of the ones that hits closest to home for a type A personality is multitasking. Uh, trying to do too many things, I call it the spaghetti plate analogy, where you've piled too much spaghetti noodles on your plate, too much sauce, too much, too much meat, too many meatballs, and things just start spilling over the sides. If you're doing that to yourself, then you're setting yourself up for not only decrease in productivity and decrease attention, concentration, and focus, but also increase brain fatigue. Now, you may be thinking, those don't sound like minor, minor issues, Dr. Brian. Well, you know, my response to that is this, in terms of minor being relative. Um, if you only have one or two of those six things that I just listed, then it's probably minor and, 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 and something you can fix fairly quickly. All right. But if you can relate to three or more of those quote unquote minor issues that cause brain fatigue, then guess what? You're already set up for brain fatigue or you may even have symptoms of brain fatigue and you just don't even know it yet. So what are those symptoms of brain fatigue? Well, some symptoms of brain fatigue include forgetfulness, irritability, difficulty focusing or concentrating, feeling easily overwhelmed or being easily distracted. It also includes sadness. Uh, notice I didn't say depression, but just feeling melancholy or blue or sad or just your mood's not quite right. Uh, feeling anxious, uh, being stressed out over the least little things that normally wouldn't stress you out. And then feeling mentally exhausted when you wake up, even after a full night's sleep, whatever that is for you. So now let's talk about those three major issues that cause brain fatigue. And, and, and these are issues that I commonly see in clients that I work with and I've seen throughout my career over the past, you know, 25 years or so. Uh, and these by and far are the ones that wreak the most havoc on your neurological system and on your physical system throughout your body. Number one is chronic sleep deprivation. You know, lack of adequate and restful sleep can result in chronic brain fatigue uh, as the brain requires sufficient time to recharge and rejuvenate. Now, we get that recharging effect in two phases of our sleep. One more important than the other, but they're both important. One is REM sleep, which is a lighter sleep. It's where we dream. Those are our dream states. That's very restorative for our brains. But typically, we pass through REM sleep on the way to deep sleep. And then when we pull out of deep sleep, we come back up into REM. So REM is a kind of a two for one, you know, two parts REM, one part deep sleep. Typically, is the way it goes. So you're cycling in and out like this kind of up and down measure. but those two phases of sleep are critically important. Now, if you don't remember your dreams, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not in REM sleep. 
you're dreaming. You're just one of those people that may not remember those dreams. And that's okay. The only way you can really know what phases of sleep you're in throughout the night is to track it. And there are a lot of different tracking devices. I don't represent any of them. So you kind of do your homework. If you want any help with that, I've got some that I use personally, and I'll be glad to recommend them. You could just message me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook at Dr. Brian G. Brown. I'll be glad to help you out on that. But chronic sleep deprivation is is critical. Now, let me talk a little bit more about that. You may actually be sleeping six, seven, eight, maybe even nine hours per night. I don't even know what that feels like, but because I'm not one of those people. I'm a seven hour a night person, and that pretty well does it for me. Every now and then I'll get eight. But seven is my sweet spot, and I know that energizes me. I track my sleep. I know I'm getting about 30% deep sleep there, and which is really good for you know my age. But I work on that. There are different things and techniques that I use to make sure I get that. Um, but deep sleep is where it's at. It's critically important. got to be tracking. If you're not tracking your sleep, you need to start tracking your sleep now. Uh, number two, uh, the number two most common um, major cause of brain fatigue is chronic stress. Now, prolonged exposure to stress, it goes without saying, research has proven this over and over again. Uh, prolonged exposure to stress can cause the brain to become overwhelmed, leading to fatigue and decreased mental clarity. In other words, if you're expending energy in areas of your brain that you have no business expending energy in, such as dealing with stress, whether it be physical stress or emotional stress, relational stress, whatever the case may be, um, you're expending energy in those areas that you're not devoting to focusing on the task at hand, which is the work that you have before you, your, your, your business that you own, the, the work that you do as a, as a C-suite type executive. Now, having practiced functional medicine and psychiatry for nearly two and a half decades, firsthand that negative emotions such as anxiety, depression, stress, chronic stress, they definitely cause brain fatigue and, and impact negatively impact your cognitive function. It's not pretty when it happens. In fact, uh, a lot of type A people like me and you are those types of people that can go a long time before we reach our breaking point. We can deal with a lot of stress because it's just the way we're programmed is to deal with that level of stress. And we pile more and more and more on us until we reach our breaking point. And then our brain literally shuts down. Um, but, and you need to know this is a growing problem. It has been for my entire practice career, but more so in the past three years, uh, I've seen a significant uptick in chronic stress. And the last but not least, the number three is poor nutrition, you know, an inadequate diet, um, lacking in essential nutrients and vitamins can lead to brain fatigue as the brain requires a steady supply of nutrients to function at an optimal level. You know, poor nutrition can, uh, can contribute to sleep problems and, and it just further exacerbates brain fatigue. Um, chronic physical fatigue that it's, it's, that's related to nutritional deficits can also lead to brain fatigue. So there's this trickle-down effect that, that old saying, you are what you eat, has uh, never been truer when it comes to brain health and brain fatigue. Uh, I have people that come in, new clients that come in all the time, and they'll say, you know, I do pretty good in the mornings, and by mid-afternoon, my brain is just shutting down. I can't function. One of the first questions I ask them is, what do you typically eat at lunch every day? Uh, some people will say nothing. I don't eat anything at lunch. I'm too busy. I work right through lunch. 
That's a problem right there because you're in a calorie deficit, you're in a protein deficit, and you really need to get those calories, that protein in your system, some good complex carbohydrates in order to keep functioning through the afternoon hours. Uh, because our body takes this, um, it's I, the technical term is diurnal, but this rhythmic change throughout the day and the way we function energetically. And by the time we've been awake for about six to eight hours, uh, so about anywhere from, I mean, if you're getting up at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., you know, anywhere from 12 noon-ish to one or two o'clock in the afternoon, you're on your downward cycle for the energetic cycle for your waking day. And those are things to pay attention to. So we've got to feed our body. We've got to feed our cells. Um, I always tell people, think about uh, eating to uh, eating to survive, not surviving to eat. Uh, people who love food, they're foodies, they just survive to eat. They love to eat. They're looking for their next meal. They're planning their next meal out. But we should get into this mindset of, of thinking about this as, you know, proper food, proper nutrition is my survival. That's what's going to make me feel my best. So put the right things into your body and your body re will reward you. I will say this, Food supplies, as a general rule, are nutrient poor these days. I mean, the soil has been depleted of proper nutrients for a long time. So do we have to supplement from time to time? Yes, we do have to supplement from time to time. Should we do an analysis of what those nutritional needs are? Absolutely, we should, both from a genetic and from a just systemic level. But that's another conversation for another day. Now, here's the thing about these three major causes of brain fatigue. Uh, it's not as cut and dry as getting your diet right, ensuring that you're getting seven to eight hours of sleep per night, or just simply de-stressing your life. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. These are great starting points, uh, good measures to take, uh, and every professional out there should strive for uh, you know, moving in those directions. But chances are, you've probably already tried getting your diet right, trying to get enough sleep, trying to get the um, you know, de trying to de-stress and declutter your life. And chances are you've had limited success with that. Well, there's a reason for that. Um, and that leads me to my next point, which are these three strategies that um, I'd like to share with you that will help you maintain good brain health and subsequently good physical health. Um, in your mind, I want you to, or if you've got a piece of paper in front of you now, you can do this. Um, straight down the middle of the page, I want you to draw three circles, one at the top, one at the bottom, and one in the middle. I want you to connect those circles with a line in between each one of them. So you end up with this line, these three circles connected by line, one, one, one linear line. Now, to think about the number one uh, strategy or approach to maintaining and, and ensuring, protecting and restoring brain health as a top-down approach. Now, this top-down approach represents that top circle at the top of your page. Now, this one involves subconscious reprogramming. Don't get freaked out by that term. It's not somebody trying to shrink your brain. You know, you go into a psychiatrist and trying to have your, your brain shrunk, quote unquote, none of that stuff. Nobody's doing this work but you. And uh, it is guided by a professional that knows what they're doing, but subconscious reprogramming is possible. Now, you see, after years of studying uh, traditional Chinese medicine, psychiatry, um, which is what I'm board certified in, functional medicine, uh, have a secondary certification in that, genetics, 
German new medicine and various other techniques uh, throughout the, my 25 years of practice. Here's what I found. It all starts with your thoughts and belief patterns. And most of this occurs on the subconscious level. Um, now, before you tune me out and you think, whoa, this is way too woo-woo. I don't want to go off and all my subconscious programming work. I mean, look at Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins is one of the most proficient people at walking people through subconscious reprogramming. Uh, and he does it beautifully. And there are other techniques that work very well, very rapidly that can be done on the fly and get massive results. And uh, those are the techniques that I use personally. I don't claim to be a Tony Robbins by any stretch of the imagination, but I am similar in that respect and that I do believe that the brain controls everything. It's a top-down approach. And I'm going to explain that to you. This is based off of my research, okay? What I found in my years of research of studying all these various techniques is, is that ex an external stimulus comes in. So an event, a circumstance, something happens, and we develop a subjective perception. And most of the time, this subjective perce perception about this event or this circumstance is totally subconscious. Sometimes it's not, but most of the time it is. And this activates the brain. And when the brain gets activated and it's chewing on this, processing this in a subconscious level, it literally develops a new belief pattern about that circumstance or event. Now, this new belief pattern causes a cascade or a waterfall effect of electromagnetic and neurochemical messengers that are excreted from the brain. The brain releases all of these electromagnetic and neurochemical messengers. They go out and flood the body, all the tissues, all the organs in the body. And the body and the organs receive these electromagnetic and neurochemical messages from the brain. And then they start creating neurochemical and electromagnetic messages of their own that then cross the cell wall in the organ system. And once it crosses the cell wall, it goes into the cell nucleus. And when it gets in the cell nucleus, guess what it does? It reprograms your DNA. And then guess what the DNA does? The DNA then rewrites the computer programming for that cell in that organ, in that tissue system, in that body. And it sends that new message back out for, to, to the organ system of this is the way you're going to function. Okay, so by simply starting with an event, a circumstance and our perception, our belief pattern about that event and the chemical pathways that come down all the way to the genetic level and the genetics literally reprogram the organ to function a certain way. Um, it's it's good science, people. And, and I've got this got the research to back this up. It it it, it is. I see it play out over and over and over every single day. We store trapped emotion in various systems in our body. And guess what? There are ways to map that. We can actually map that. We can see where that trapped emotion is. And we know exactly where to target, how to target it, and know what to do with it to reprogram that so that it starts working to our advantage instead of our disadvantage. Now, hopefully you're able to see how your thoughts can literally repro reprogram your genes and the function of your organs, which can either help you or hinder you. So approach number one is a top-down approach. 
of subconscious reprogramming of those initial beliefs so that good chemical messages are sent out to the body's DNA and subsequently the body's organs. Now, the second approach is what I I call it a middle out approach, really simple minded. You know, it's a middle out approach on this diagram. Now, on the diagram, it represents that middle circle on your drawing that you drew a few minutes ago. Now, this is what I call um, uh, a symptom oriented approach. And it's where traditional Western medicine and all the complementary and alternative medicine techniques reside all with their unique strategies and unique techniques and approaches, but all individually there to serve the management of symptoms. Notice the nuance there. We're not treating causes, we're managing symptoms. Now, each one of those will tell you we're treating the root cause of what's going on, but in reality, they're not because we're not treating the thoughts. We're not treating the root cause. And as I'll show, show, you, show you in a minute, there's another root cause that we need to address. But this middle out approach is more of a, a reactionary uh, symptom management, symptom reactive type approach. Now, people in the complementary and alternative space do not like to hear that. But it is what it is. It's still in that middle out approach that 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 we're coming from. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's a place for it. It works. Um, and, and they're all on a spectrum at what they, the, the different niche areas that they work in. And that's great, but you need to know it's a middle out approach when we're talking about this, this cascade of events that occurs from an, an event and a thought and a belief all the way down to the genetic level. It's a middle out approach. Now, there's a lot of good work that can be done here, uh, but it really depends on treating issues after the issues have appeared, after the problems have appeared. And addressing only symptoms after they've appeared can pose a problem if you're not addressing the true cause or causes such as beliefs and thinking patterns or this next approach, which we're, we're about to go, go into. Now, this next approach, approach number three, is what I call a bottom-up approach. It represents that bottom circle, and you've probably guessed what I was going to call it by now just simply by hearing the names of the other two, but this is a bottom-up approach. Now, this approach represents the bottom circle on that diagram drawing, and it's all about DNA. You know, Did you know that you can literally nutritionally support a gene or multiple genes at the same time by giving them what they need nutritionally? in order to function correctly, thus turning a, a, a quote unquote bad gene off, okay? And turning a good gene, just like a switch on. It, it's amazing how that happens. Now, most people don't even realize this, but it's true. And we can determine how to do this based on a, a simple genetic profile that's like a cheek swab, okay? Doesn't even require any blood. Now, please understand, the the type of genetic testing that I'm talking about is medical grade level testing, not your 23andMe variety, which is a very watered down direct to consumer level type of test. No, on the on the contrary, the type of testing I'm talking to is um, the type of uh, genetic testing that's kind of next level stuff. Okay, it goes really deep and really, really wide and you get a a, a complete picture of what's going on with this person with the modifiable genes that we know we can modify right now. So to review, we have a top down 
or subconscious reprogramming approach. We have a middle out or reactive symptom management level type approach where complementary and alternative medicine and all of those different techniques as well as traditional medicine reside. And we have a bottom up approach, which is nutritionally supporting your genes to function at their highest level. Now, if I'm being completely honest with you, and I never want to be anything other than that, if I'm being completely honest with you, I've personally and professionally used every single one of these approaches through the years, okay? Even in the complementary and alternative field, you name it, I've done it, okay? However, it wasn't until the past five or so years that I came to realize that I truly don't have to spend much time in the middle out approach category if, and this is a big if, if I spend time on the top down approach and the bottom up approach at the same time. And this is key. We can't work on the top down approach and expect super rapid results. You get results, you get great results. Okay. We can't spend time on the bottom up approach alone and expect great results. You get good results, but you don't get great results. But what I found is uh, an astronomically rapid way to get results for clients, including myself. I was the first person that I healed uh, because uh, that's another story for another day. I've had major health issues um, due to an electrocution injury at age five that caused a whole host of problems. And then again, another story for another day. But these, when you combine the synergy of a bottom-up genetic approach with a top-down subconscious reprogramming approach, um, it's, it's amazing the results that you get. We used to, and just using standard functional medicine, that middle-out approach uh, technique, we would see really good results in you know, six, nine, 12 months on people that were chronically ill, had never been able to find answers for years or decades. And we'd be able to get them turned the corner within six, nine, 12 months, uh, which is a very short period of time, relatively speaking, when you're talking about chronic illness. But when you start working on the top with the subconscious reprogramming and the bottom with the genetics, you don't have to do much in the middle. Yeah. For some people you might have to, but for the most part, you don't. And I found that it's mostly a hands-off approach in that middle out portion because you're addressing the top and the bottom at the same time. Now, wrapping up, I hope you're able to see that complementary and alternative medicine techniques, no matter what genre they fall into, are all good. But the question is, are they the best? You know, a challenge that one approach is not necessarily better than uh, another. And I also challenge that one approach is not better than a combination of approaches, which to me is a more complete way to treat this person, you, me, all of us um, at, at a very holistic level, a whole person level. And I think that's what you deserve. I think that's what we all deserve. Uh, we deserve to get the best results the fastest way we possibly can, because guess what? You don't have time to be dealing with health issues, whether they be brain or body issues or otherwise. And your time is way too valuable for that. So if you're curious about how to uh, check your genes, how to start work and subconscious reprogramming ap approach, just Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn at Dr. Brian. I'll be glad to walk you through that. Uh, most informed and generally most grateful that you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown. Yeah.